Hello and welcome back to the Rovers Chat Podcast. It's episode 16 and on a week when Halloween's here, Rovers have a trick and a treat. They go down to Millwall on Tuesday night and come from behind to win 2-1 at the Den before Swansea come and play the trick as they read he would throw three points in a toothless Rovers performance. The upcoming week will see Rovers travel a lot of miles as we make the trip down to Premier League Giants Chelsea on Wednesday for the Carabao Cup before Sunday sees Rovers take on Norwich in that coveted 12pm Sky uh, Sunday slot. As always, we'll have all that covered and more on this week's podcast. Time to introduce the co-host. We'll come to you first, Mike. It's normally Mark who gets first go. How are we, Mike? Are we good? Oh, mate, I can't follow that intro. The trick and treat line. I think that's one of your best ones. Yeah, I'm not following that. We'll have that. And <laughs> Mark, how are we today? Are we good? Yeah. Um, what a great weekend. Never mind. <laughs> sure, it will get better this week. I hope so, I hope so. We'll go into it. Oh, we'll start off with that Millwall game. We'll get straight into it. Like I said, Rovers go down to Millwall and then a repeat of last year, go behind and end up winning the game. Matt, will come first. General thoughts on the win after everything settled? Are you still as happy as you was after the game? Yeah, for me, it was that determination to come back from the uh, from the going 1-0 down. That That's what you know got to me with it I was just chuffed that we showed some determination and maybe we could have gone on to win it more if it wasn't for their keeper uh tough place to go great to get them points and follow on uh, with our then good form and obviously it went a bit downhill after that yeah we'll stick on the Millwall game before we get on to that disappointing one you want Mark I wanted to mention the three right backs now not to blow smoke we won't finish that uh, but last week we mentioned the three right-backs and their impact on the team and all three right-backs are involved in all the goals at Millwall. Just how pleasing would that to see? Well, it's pleasing because obviously it shows that we absolutely know what we're on about. Um, <laughs> no, it was pleasing because it's, it's that 16 players now we've had, the different scorers. We came into yeah. the season wondering where the goals were going to come from and we were saying that we couldn't see that one man, I suppose, stepping up, but we also needed goals to come from everywhere and they literally they're coming from everywhere or they were yeah it's really good to see i think it's it's refreshing that rovers aren't having that one man to go and go and rely on we've seen it in the past i mentioned we uh with diaz danny gray and bradley Dyke. you kind of always went right if he's not scoring who is going to score but luckily like you say 16 uh goal scorers this year after 17 games which i don't think you can argue with in terms of that but we saw Rovers attacking walls and getting forward and all them issues kind of come back up in the Swansea game as Rovers fell to a 1-0 defeat. Now, Mike, Rovers versus Swansea were a game that we both said on the preview, actually, and, and we're dreading it being clipped up about mm. it should be a game we're winning. Do you still feel that way or did Swansea maybe impress you? Yeah, I felt like an absolute idiot, to be honest, after the Swansea came, after what I'd said. I thought, oh, my God, I've jinxed this now. Um yeah, I, it, Swansea impressed me, but it, we beat ourselves. You can't miss them chances in the first few minutes and expect to go on and then to be able to gift them three goals in the first half, which is effectively what we did. I know that they were offside, but you know they had the ball in the net three times. So there's an element of we beat ourselves and there was an element of they did actually impress me. And all they did was prove that I've got my scouting completely wrong and I should stick to uh, just talking Rovers. No, I'm the same. I, I really discredited them. I actually thought they were really good. And like you mentioned, them two goals they scored before, I bet Jamal Law felt it weren't going to be his day. But a brilliant finish by Cullen, who 
typically we're linked with Rovers quite a lot and still getting linked with him into the January window. Now, Mark, we'll go on to discuss kind of player performances and a few players' yeah. situations in the squad. Was there anyone who comes out of this Swansea game with any credit from that? Was there anyone you thought, well, at least they put a showing in, or was it bad all round? Yeah, personally, I felt, uh, I thought last couple, two, three games, Harry Pickering's shown his worth a little bit, and I thought he was one who a lot of the players for me looked absolutely exhausted, although I also think Michael Duff, unfortunately, as much as I don't want to praise a dingle, um, had a bit of a tactical masterclass. I thought he, the way he changed Durup at half-time and the, the first half, all of it together was was pretty impressive, to be fair, and I think he outsmarted us. But that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think Harry Pickering did quite well. Um, I thought Tronstad, again, we kind of already know what we're going to get from him, which is is impressive. And then, whilst he didn't necessarily offer a goal threat, I think Tyrese Dolan, he wasn't as good as he has been, but I think that's because we were so... He was so isolated, but I think his link-up players come on so much, you know, which is... He's, he's become a better all-round footballer, but yet some elements of his game are, are still not there. But he's not a central striker, is he? And that's what showed him. He had to come deeper and deeper and deeper. But yeah, I, I think... The, the tactical battle was the one that concerned me a little bit more because it that reared its head a little bit for me that Thomason couldn't fix it. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned them strikers. I'll come back to this now. I think Mike referenced it actually in a match action about not using Nylenius and not using Semir Talovic, who's starting up front for the 21s actually as we're recording this. Do you feel that was the right decision or would you like to see at least one of them? I know Semir has not really had any great start to life. He was not really had too much game time either, but do you feel mm. that we're justified by Thomson or do you think with the way we played, we couldn't have done much worse than chucking another striker on? He's very reluctant to use that fifth sub all the time. And I get that. If your keeper goes and gets injured or whatever it is, it creates a problem. But it looked to me like Smodic's picked a knock up on his hip or his groin in about the 60th minute. He was exhausted. It needed something fresh. I was stood there thinking, "This is why we're we not playing any." You know, we know we don't play two up front, but Smodis was so far forward, it wouldn't have been that much of a stretch to bring any on. Then, as I watched the game start to develop, Swansea were going so compact and so narrow. The only space we were getting was out the wings, and we were able to cross the ball. But then we didn't. You know, Harry Leonard gives a little bit of that, but there was nobody really able to get on the end of them. So at that point, that's where Telelovic would have come into his own because from what we've seen from clips and from, from behind closed doors games, he's good in the air. And that, it just cried out for a bit of a change for me. I think it was obvious if we just kept plugging away, nothing was going to change. Mike, why do you feel Semi is not getting his chance? <clears throat> There's a reason John Dahl's not using him or is it just without Sandy to ask, he doesn't feel he's good enough? I think it could be a little bit of he doesn't feel like he's good enough yet. He's protecting him. Now, in in that game, I felt like defensively we looked okay. Yeah, I know that we'd obviously made a couple of mistakes with Wharton coming in at centre-back. But going forward, like Mike just said and like you've said, Dan, is we just did not look fresh. We didn't look sharp. We was out of ideas. Um, I'm concerned about Sigurdsson. Um, I don't think he's on form at the moment. So I'm not too mm -hmm. sure why. Um 
Britain on the right, I thought he did okay, but was maybe trying a little bit too much. But Tel, uh, Tel um, is it Telelovich? I'm getting a bit confused about how to pronounce it because we're not seeing yeah, him enough. We need a comment. We need him to start playing more so then the commentator will tell us what what it should be said. Um, I, I I just don't think he trusts him right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. We've cried out for him to play some under twenty one, under twenty three games. So let's see how he does and take it from there. Yeah, that's it. It's we don't want to judge him account him off yet, but it does concern me that John Toll won't use either of his strikers in especially in a game where I thought they couldn't have done much worse than what they had on the pitch. We'll move on and look well, out to the one mark. I was just just gonna say that I know you're coming on to it later on, but I think what's concerning me a little bit is we've now seen every type of scenario that you would potentially bring him on. So we're chasing a lead, we're defending a lead. With the games wrapped up away at QPR, still didn't go to him. So all those, you know, it's not like you, there hasn't been a scenario where you got, oh, well, that's when you would bring him on. On Saturday, it looked like we needed somebody who could could be quite effective in the air. Didn't bring him on. QPR, the game's wrapped up. Let's go and get him a goal. Brought Ennis on instead. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I completely understand with that. <clears throat> so. We'll move on to the upcoming fixtures two this week. Rovers make the trip down to Chelsea. The big game everyone's been talking about Wednesday night under the lights. We know it's a tough test. We know what Chelsea will bring. We know the second team's probably worth more than one of them are worth more than our full squad. Mike, do we have any realistic chance of getting through in the cup here? Could Rovers be dreaming of, I believe it'd be a last eight place if we won? Yeah, it would be a dream, but Chelsea aren't exactly firing at the moment, so it's not unrealistic to say we can't steal something. I don't think we will. I think their seconds will play our seconds, and their seconds are way better than our seconds. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd like to think that we're going to go there and just make a really good account of ourselves. Um, the difference is this year to last year. I don't think this year we're going to play our first team against Chelsea. I still think he's going to put in some rotation. I could be wrong. Whereas last year when we was playing Leicester, it was our strongest side. Um, I, I just want us to go there, make a good account of ourselves and give the lads that got us here the chance to play and play a good side. They've earned it. Yeah. I'm of the, the opinion that as long as we don't go there and we... We're out the game 20 minutes in. I think that would kill the the candidate. If we're in it and we get beat, or even if we go ahead for 10 minutes, something to give the travelling fearful the 3,000 or whatever it is that going down that little bit of joy. Mike, is there anyone, would you put anyone in from the first team or do you think we should just purely go second team, realise that we've got Norwich and Preston coming up and just play to preserve the league? I think the game as a whole is a bit of a pain in the rear for us at the moment. We've got too many games for this to be of any use. We could have done with a, a crew at home and then you could have given those second string players a, a run out in a competitive game. The concern is if we go solely to a team that we have done in previous rounds, is that going to get absolutely battered? I think Hayden Carter is going to play because he's suspended for the weekend, I think, isn't he? So that would make sense. But then you start, you look at the players at the end of the game on Saturday and they were exhausted. So I don't think we can afford to play them. But then it's no. what would it be if we did get an absolute hiding because we went very weakened. 
I, I just think this is a pain. In, whereas we were going to Leicester kind of, oh, this is a bonus. We could really do without an extra game at the moment because we've not got the rotation in the squad. No, I agree. I think we're, we're stuck and you probably put in Harold Leonard in against, you know, a really experienced centre-back. I think Chelsea will play a couple of senior players as well. I think the odd one will get a bit of game time. Like, uh, we'll see. There's no doubt we'll see talent. Uh, you're probably going to get one of Nicholas Jackson and Mudrick or Sterling, one of them starting. You know, we're not... Yeah. If we were playing the 23 side or something, I'm happy kind of... But there's no pressure, is there? If we stick someone to 23s out, there's no pressure. It's their time to shine as well. And I really feel like the the under 23... Is it under 23s or under 21s? 21s. Yeah, I get confused. But they're being managed really well, aren't they? So I trust that management to let them go, um, you know, to to have brought them up to understand that they're going to just go out there, play their game and just enjoy it. And I think John Dahl Thomason's going to, say to them, just go out and enjoy it. I do think he is going to play a team that has a lot of changes in it, and I think they'll play with confidence. Yeah, that's I think you're probably you're probably looking at Volstead starting, though. You're probably looking at Carter and Adam Wharton, and maybe even Sigurdsson, because he's only played half of the game at weekend, and he's he's not on form at the moment. But those two players that I've just mentioned there, Wharton and, and Carter, they're quite key for me because they're players that want to play at a high level. They're players that probably see themselves as Premier League players in the future. So this is a big opportunity for them as well to go there. And we know Adam Wharton will do. He could look very, very impressive and it could be a big game for him. Yeah, definitely. It's always a chance to put yourself in the shop window as well, isn't it? We'll move on to Sunday Norwich, 12pm kickoff, as I said. Uh, perfect for the travelling fans. Thank you to Sky for that one. I do. Now, yeah. Norwich are in a real situation. There's been a bit of news come out this week that David Wagner will be in charge for the game on Sunday, which was doubtful. So that kind of gives you the scenario of where they are. Mike, do you feel like this could be the perfect time to play them? Last time we played them in the league at Carroll Road, I believe the manager went on to get sacked. So do you feel the same here? Do you feel that this is a good time for Rovers to go down uh, and kind of inflict that final pain on David Wagner? 100%. It, it's always been a difficult place to go. Um, it, well, in recent times, they've had a really good squad. And if you're going to play them, you might as well play them with, when they're in this kind of form and this much disarray. So I, I'm, I don't want to start talking about confidence in the result just yet because <laughs> I'm still smarting from the Swansea <laughs> game. Um but if yeah, if you're hundred percent right, if you're gonna play them, this is the time you want to play them. Mark, one thing I picked up looking ahead to Norwich game was the importance of an early start and getting off. You know, Rovers did it against yes. Swansea, should have scored. Do you feel that's gonna yeah. be key again here? If we can get off and kill them within five minutes, we could see a game where Rovers are I'm never gonna say comfortable because I'm not confident at 3 0 up a lot of the time, but get in a position where Rovers are playing, sailing, we're in a position where we know we're really going to get the win? Yeah, I think so. I think particularly when teams are at home and they are struggling and the fan base are turning a little bit, even if not necessarily getting that early goal, but if you can come and dominate the ball a little bit, just really feed into those anxieties and those frustrations that are already there, it can be a real bonus. So, particularly when you're going away from home. That's why some of those teams who are struggling at times prefer to play away from home because that pressure's off a little bit. So I think if we can go there 
and start like we have, even like we did against Swansea, where some of some of the best football we've played all season for the yeah. first 15 minutes. If we go and do that, you can imagine their fans thinking, oh God, here we go again. And then the atmosphere turns. And then actually, rather than us thinking, oh, we've not scored yet, it's right, this is our game today. So I think that start is massively important. If you go and give them an early goal on the, the converse, then all of a sudden they, you know, they're they're going to rally and we're going to be thinking, well, we didn't score a weekend. Whatever's happened at Chelsea's happened. We've now gone here. So yeah, I think a, a, a good positive start is key. A goal would be just tip that off, really. I think we've seen two instances of that with a crowd you mentioned as well. Millwall on uh, Tuesday night were the same. They went one up, really buoyant. We get that goal back and it absolutely died of death, the atmosphere. Like you could hear everything yeah. going on on the pitch and that we're <laughs> getting the fans behind. And the other one was actually Norwich last year when they started booing the manager and Norwich fans said yeah. they never boo managers, they never turn on them like that. So if Rovers can get that early goal and really just kick them while they're down, we could see it be a comfortable afternoon. But we'll wait yeah. and see with that one. I, I don't want to go into, like uh, Mike said, I don't want to go into talking about being comfortable because... I'm still waiting for the Swansea fans to pick up on that match preview. Uh, Mark, <laughs> we'll come to you for Hitch's bets. Can we get a winner this week? Can we fund two very expensive trips down south? Uh, yeah, we've definitely got a winner this week. I, we, I'm, it doesn't matter about jinxing it. Nailed on. Nailed on. Um, what I have gone for, I've actually steered away from the Norwich game because Rovers to win and over 10 goals was easy for that one. What I've gone for is the Chelsea game. I've got on both teams to score. I back us to score down there. I also back them to score. I've gone over three goals. And the most scores again to be scored in that first half. I think we'll probably play a, a younger team. They'll be they'll be a little bit naive. They'll be a little bit, come on, let's have this. We're at Stamford Bridge. They'll fly out the blocks. So I've gone for both teams to score, over three goals, most goals to be scored in the first half. That'll obviously be Rovers, but I've not put that bit on. Uh, and that's nine to one. So, yeah, that'll pay for one half of beer down there if you put three pounds on. <laughs> Perfect, Mark. Thank you very much for that. We'll move on to a few topics now. And the more based on the Rovers team as we go forward, like we referenced before, I want to start with Arno Sigurdsson. Now, he started really well, laugh at Rovers. Obviously, had that injury, but he came into the side, scored at Ipswich. He had a brace at QPR. For me, he's not been at it recently, taken off uh, a half-time both games this week. One thing I noticed, and I wanted to get your opinions on it, I'll come to you first, Matt. I've noticed Sigurdsson very, very stuck on the touchline rather than playing inside a bit like he did at Ipswich where Travis fed him through. Do you feel that's a, a thing that John Dahl's asked him to do or do you feel that maybe that's just how he likes to play? Because for me, he just doesn't look in the game because if he gets that ball on the touchline, he can't go left with the ball because he's stood on the touchline and go out. So he's kind of stuck with where to go. Do you feel we're limiting him tactically or do you think it's just been Sigurdsson's lack of performances? I think lack of performances has been a key thing, but I'm going to say that about his going to Iceland for that uh, international break because before then he was tactically looking like he was suited to what we wanted him to do. And like you say, since then, it seems like he's completely lost that edge that he had. So I'm just wondering if he's 
just gone to Iceland. He's playing a completely different way and then just not doing it in games for us. I am getting a little bit concerned about him. He does seem a little bit one-directional. He's not linking up with anyone well. So even when he's cutting inside, he doesn't seem to link up with anyone well. I don't know what it is, um, but JDT is still starting him. Well, that's part of it. I think part of it will be as well with playing him. I do feel that we've got to kind of keep him on the sweet side, building up to this contract running out. I believe it's December the 1st. Uh, because he mm. runs out like a month earlier than everyone else's would. So then we'll come into play with that contract, etc. Mark, another one I wanted to focus on was Tyree Stolen. Now, we've seen him play up front recently. We've had success with it. I thought against QPR, he did that role perfectly. But then Millwall mm. and Swansea struggled. Where's Tyree Stolen's role in the side? Is he a regular starter? Is he an impact player? I think you've got to remember Tyree Stolen's 21. I know he's played a lot of football, but he's, he's a young boy, really. And for me at the moment, he's probably an impact sub. He's somebody you'd turn to. You know, if that was half-time and he wasn't playing, you'd have gone, right, get Dolan on, get Mark Andy on as well, change it on the wings. For me, that's probably his role. However, like I've said before, I think his link-up play and his hold-up play has actually really come on. So, whilst I don't think he's going to be a central striker moving forward, I'm still disappointed that, and he is, he said that, that started the season, he could have made that left-hand side his own. I think there's a role for him across that front line, but I don't think it's as a regular starter at this moment in time. Mike, I referenced last time we discussed Orleans, and I referenced the chat we had with him after the Girona game, and he said about filling uh, Brayton Diaz's boots and playing that, you know, left side, etc., do you feel he's taking that pressure too much of doing that? Do you feel he's kind of thinking, right, I have to step up, Ben's gone, I have to be the man that kind of runs the show like Ben did? I'm worried he doesn't know what he wants right now because you'll always say Sigurdsson's come in and he's starting and that was the role that Dolan really wanted was on that side and now he's put into the number nine role and it's not his role. It's really frustrating for him. I feel sorry for him because he's being a professional. He's up there doing everything he can, but he can't. He's in the EFL. He's five foot nothing and he's being asked to come up against some really big centre-halves, drop in and try and do something that he's just never going to be able to do. So, I don't think Dolan will be happy until he's playing in his natural position and given a run of games there to prove what he can do. And like I said, you know, well, you know, like you said after the Girona game, he he seems quite confident at that point. And obviously, he's had his issues. He's had his interview, and right now, he's definitely not happy playing that number nine role. No, he's not. But do you feel then? Mike, that he then has to show more as a wide man because we've got Arno Sigurdsson, who's probably going to be rather starter going forward. You've got Ryan Hedges coming back into it, who seems like he's going to be involved more in attacks this year. You know, he's had his chances. He scored a good goal at Watford. Should have scored at Plymouth, but he's having them chances. And then you've got Andy Moran, who's a bright talent. So do you feel Dolan's stuck in this situation where he has to just get the numbers up or he's going to become in almost a Mark Andy role where he very rarely gets a start and he's limited to the bench. 
He's definitely putting pressure on himself when he does come across that left wing because we saw that in the Coventry game, didn't we? He was trying far too much. All the little step-overs and stuff. And I kept saying I just wanted him to simplify his game that little bit more. So I just think he's got so much pressure on his shoulders that he's probably put on himself as well that when he does have that opportunity on the wing, he is trying too much and not... You know, he, he's making them small errors here or there that isn't getting that final product. Um, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, he's obviously someone that we we know that he's a product, a product that we can really work with and make him this really good winger, but he's not getting enough opportunities to settle. You know, he's getting 45 minutes. Um, sorry, for, he's getting over 45 minutes on the on the went on the left wing when he does get an opportunity, but then he's being brought off. And Sigurdsson's getting 45 minutes and he's not moving Dolan back across and putting someone else up front, is he? You know, and that's what I would probably want to see. If Sigurdsson's not working, maybe just move Dolan across left and bring a striker on instead. That's probably what I would want to see. I just want to see Dolan play his natural position and have a run of games there. That's what I want to see. And the final player we'll come on to, and I'll come back to you, Mike. Scott Wharton. Now, we saw Dom Hayne drop out of the squad. They were talking about James Hill maybe moving centrally, but we kind of knew it would be Scott Wharton, who I think had a really good game at Millwall, but he struggled against Swansea. Does Scott Wharton have a, a real future inside, Mike? Because I just took a look. I didn't realise he was 26, that shot yeah. me. So, you know, he's coming up to what should be his prime years. He's made 63 appearances for Rovers in the league over his time here, which I don't think is anywhere near enough. I know he had injuries and I know he's been out on loan a few times. How, where do you feel the future lies for Scott Warren? The most appearances he's ever made for the club in a season's 30. Do you feel it lies away from you or do you feel he could force his way through and you know, be a regular player, become that footballer that he wants to be for his boyhood club? I think whilst JDT's here and possibly beyond that, because we're now looking at a model of playing football as a club rather than just being the manager, I don't think he's going to be a regular starter. I think what we saw at weekend was he's good in the air, which is a real strength, and then we need that. He, ironically, his, his range of passing is very good, but on the ball, yeah. I think he's always liable to a mistake. I think sometimes he doubles down on his errors. So he'll make a pass and it's not gone as to plan. And then rather than thinking, right, okay, I'll just play it safe for a few minutes. He kind of wants to prove to himself or others, I can play that ball. And he, he then makes a, a worse decision. And you see another mistake come quite quickly after. He's obviously, his pace is the worry. And we, we want to play so high up the pitch. And that's the big problem I think he's going to have whilst we've got JDT. And like I say, Greg Broughton's, you know, if JDT went, we're going to get a manager in of a similar mould. It's not going to be rip that up, scrap it, bring Big Sam. It's going to be the way we're playing now moving forward. So that means high up the pitch. And under Mowbray, he thrived when we were deeper. When we had Ayala, we had Lenahan, we played a lot deeper and everything's in front of Scott Wharton. And, and he's not alone in that. You know, people wonder why Harry Maguire's gone to Manchester United and he's struggling. It's not because he suddenly forgot how to play football. It's because he's being asked to start defending on the halfway line rather than the edge of the box. You look at when Sean Dyche goes into Everton, the first thing he does with Tarkovsky, who looked like a shocking footballer at Everton, was sit him on the edge of his box and have everything in front of him because that's his game. So Scott Wharton's got 
would be a very effective championship player if a team plays that way. If you're asking him to play on the halfway line, I just fear for him. And particularly when we last season we were bringing him on as that third centre-half. If you're doing that, you've got to bring him on centrally. You put him out wide, he's even more exposed in areas he doesn't want to be. A bit like Daryl Lenahan, to be fair. He doesn't want people running beyond him and him having to turn. So, yeah, the, the short answer to that, I think he's probably no, unfortunately. Well, we said a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about levelling up? Uh, you know, we, we've levelled up, haven't we? And we're trying to go. And the further we go along the line with JDT, the more players you can see are adding to that list where he would quite happily yep. see them go. And I think Wharton's yep. probably on that list. Yeah, yeah we saw I don't it think it's this season with a Sorry, Mike. <laughs> uh, we saw it Stanley, I think it was, when he come out of defence, try bringing it out. He got an assist for a goal yeah. and then let the ball go over his head and give away a penalty in the same game. And it was like Mike yeah. said, he kept trying that one pass that because it worked once doesn't mean it's going to work, you know, 20 times. So, no, I don't see him having a future here either, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a reflection on... Because uh, I've heard a few people, well, what's happened to Scott Wharton? He was great under Mowbray. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a reflection on him. I think there is a confidence thing now. I think he knows, you know, there was a, there was a point, wasn't there, a weekend? Where, and I think he did okay against Swansea, but it meant we were defending deeper. And Carter didn't look as secure alongside him either. But there was a point where, I think it was Yates, not the ball past him, and he just clipped his heel straight away because he knew that's not a race I can get involved in. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily a reflection on him and how he's specifically playing. It's not a form issue. I just think he's not compatible with the way we're playing. And it doesn't mean he's not going to be a good championship footballer. He just doesn't fit our club right now. Like Daniel Ayala didn't. No, that's him. We all, we all know Ayala. He's correct, obviously, at Rotherham now. Yeah, and Scott Wharton could go to Rotherham and look a good championship defender. You could see that. Yeah. 100% his playing style, like we said, I think, and as we said at the start of the year, look at Adam Wharton in the midfield, who was being asked to too much and looked like he was struggling. Yeah. We all know he's talented. It's just not his setup. Uh, we'll move on now to a bit more of a fun topic. We're Halloween today at the time of recording. We've put together a few Halloween players, Rovers base. Uh, we've got some. We've got some from Twitter as well. Go on, Mike. Give us a couple to start off with and we'll bounce back on each other and well, you've started me off, Dan, because I love a pun. This just starts me off. As you well know, because we discussed this quite late one night, and this went on and got a lot worse. Mike, fortunately, was only had to look at it briefly in the morning, could <laughs> flick through it. So, um, I mean, obviously, the most frightening person in the world is Steve Keane, but we're not going to mention him other than that. So I started the conversation with Heliot Bennett and Bradley Dracula. You came back with Gordon Fear and Yakubu. Then we had, we've clearly been doing a pod at this point, Mike. We had Frankenstein Talia. That was, uh, that I can't mention I, I can't mention that one. And I can't mention that one. Uh, we had Charlie Moore Gruesome, Sam Gooliger. And then we pointed out that we were just creating squad ghouls here. Uh, and then we it got a bit bad then. We got Paul Insuincy Spider managing. And then I'll let you carry on for a bit, Dan. <laughs> Uh, Semir Helilovic, Dungeon Shearer, we had. Uh, what uh, else have yeah. we got? Borny Morgan. One of your favourites, my favourites, you mentioned for the midfield of the uh, Serbian, weren't he? Oh, Radislav. 
Yeah, petrified. Petrifying. Hey, Take your pick. You remember uh, you mentioned zombie spear as well. <laughs> I like Keith Tricky Treaty. That were a good one for me. <laughs> uh, Counter Mauler. Uh, Tyler Monster. They are, you've put a comment here saying they're getting worse, and you were right. Yeah. Uh, plenty more as well. On Twitter as well, we had a few comments as well. Greg Paul said Blood Friedel, Tom Skirney, David Ooh. Batty, Marlon Witches Broomers, uh, Treater Whittingham. Richie Smallwood and Steak. I'm not going to let him have that one. Stuart R.I.P. Lee. Uh, we've got <laughs> someone said Michael Appleton, a.k.a. Voldemort. Frankenstein Fielding as well for the goalkeepers. Alan oh, Fry. Okay. Plenty of others. But uh, let us know down below any you can think of on Halloween. Get in the Halloween spirit. I did Google a few Premier League ones, but uh, none of them were nice. And that's how I ended up with Dungeon Fergus, it was Dungeon Ferguson on the thing. Uh, so yeah, that's where oh, it was. So, so, so you nicked it, Dan. That's what you're saying. Nicked, you've you've, ripped, you've ripped it off. There's me Whoever. coming up with originals. Richard Witchka. I, I your Kubu. We'll take your Kubu straight away. <laughs> your Kubu. Yes, very good. Uh, that's where we're off. Let us know down below for your for your Halloween necktie. Mike, you know what time it is. Everyone knows what time it is. Oh, oh yes. Over to you. Okay, so we have three uh, questions in the mailbag this week, and they're all pretty similar, to be honest. Um, about JDT tactical side of things. So, Mark, I'm going to fire this one at you first. So, Craig on Twitter asks, did the team need a freshen up after three games in a week? I would have, have I would have changed quite a few across the team. The style of play means some run themselves into the ground. It's why I think the last 20 minutes we always struggle holding on to a lead and look unlikely to turn one over. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Mark? I think in hindsight, absolutely. Had he made four or five changes and we'd have lost, what would the fans have been saying? Or, you know, why is he not playing? If you'd have changed Ranking Costello or Britain, which uh, in hindsight are players that you, we should have done, would the fans have been saying, well, why has he changed the winning team? You can see why, but I think it showed exactly why we need to do. We've got to start showing a bit more faith. I thought Andy Moran, it was never his game at Millwall. He's not a player who's going to enjoy a physical battle. Against Swansea, it was absolutely prime for him. And he came on, I thought he looked good. He should have been in that central role for me instead of Smodix, who looked exhausted. And I think we're just going to pick injuries up. I don't know if Britain went off with a knock. So it's not just about the performances. I think we're we're asking for trouble injuries-wise at the minute. Yeah, I'm, th I'm thinking more along the lines of it's just depth. I don't think he's trusting the depth. So, Dan, do you think no. that's, there's an element of the fact he's just not trusting people to come in and do a job? That was going to be my exact point. I don't feel we've got that quality. It's like Mark mentioned, if you you change that squad and you lose, the questions go straight to that. For me, the issue with this is that we said it last year, or I mentioned it last year, that when we play these three game weeks, we got to that third game and we always tied. We looked really poor. Uh, it happened that when we went down to Reading at the start of the season and we played Sheffield United, I know Sheffield United were a better team anyway, but 
there were one when Ilian uh, Ilian and I ran through everyone, and Trav just collapsed to the floor almost out of exhaustion. Mm. And we saw it a few yeah. times. I wonder if it's creeping back in. You know, we're not playing as many games, league games anyway, as we did last year midweek because of the World Cup, etc. We're having that longer gap. I assume Rovers are playing a game behind closed doors like we normally do. I just wonder whether we're, we're overworking them again and they're struggling because that's what we saw last year. And then when it all when it got to about December, I think then we really picked up the pace and we looked good again. I just wonder if we're pushing them too much. But then if you don't push them, you don't really get the impact that JDT's tactics have. No, exactly. Exactly. So, Dan, I'm gonna. This is kind of extending a little bit off what some of the things that have just been said there. But Glenn Entwistle on Twitter has asked, one nil, and JDT didn't utilise either of the other two strikers on the bench. Why? What's the point of getting Ennis and Telelovic, even if they aren't ready for ninety? If you aren't going to use, if you aren't going to use them, so Dan, does that expand on what you've just said? Essentially, yeah, I don't think he trusts them. Uh, thanks to Glenn for the question as well. He used to be on the channel as well. Uh, glad to see him there. But no, I feel that it's what Mark mentioned. I think it was Mark who mentioned it before about trusting them and giving them the chance when ultimately I don't think Semi is up to it. I don't want to judge him yet. We mentioned Ennis before. He's good. I think he, he has an impact when he comes home, but how long can he do so? Yeah, I think it's trust. I just think it's a trust exercise because there's no way I look at that game on Saturday and think if I had a strike on the bench, I wouldn't bring them on. And I know I'm not a manager and I sit on a podcast, but I just don't see why any other reason why you wouldn't have a striker on when you were playing as bad as we were up front. And this is something that I've said um, before and I'd brought it up a little bit where I've said about JDT's halftime changes you know, so Mark, do you think his halftime changes are they good reactive management or is it poor planning in the first place? Because we're making these halftime subs and then he's having to change things around. Do you think JDT's not quite with it where where he wants to be with his squad? I, I think it's it's all encompassing, isn't it? But it's all a reflection on the fact, like my uh, like Dan said, that the word trust. I think he doesn't necessarily trust. And also, I think what he's done there is gone, this is what I want you to do. He probably, he, he talks about having conversations with his players every week. You would imagine those conversations are, do you feel up to a similar performance, Callum? He's turned around and gone, yes. And then he's gone at half time. well, I gave you a chance. No, I've seen enough. Now, I think there was a knot there with Britain, why one of them. But I quite like the half-time changes. I think that part of the reason he uses them is because it doesn't use up one of the slots of making a change. It doesn't count, does it? So you can still use three. But also, if people aren't doing it, it's clearly not working. It gives some of them a kick up the rear. But it also, why why wait any longer? If it's clearly not working, which it wasn't, I, I think it, it makes sense. That said, I do think it was poor planning on, on Saturday. I think it must have been obvious to the, to the fitness guys. You know, we can it with our eyes. You're not telling me their GPS monitors and countless other stats aren't telling them that these players are in the red zone or, as we would say, they're knackered and they can't do what we need them to do. So hmm. I, I think that has to be seen as poor planning. Generally speaking, though, I think it's a case of he's not happy and it's a, right, well, let's just change it now. See, that's the thing. I'm, I'm not sure if 
if I do think it's good management or poor planning yet, I think you're completely right. I think it's an element of both. Um, I hate any subs before the 60th minute because I feel like if it's before the 60th minute, we haven't planned properly, the players aren't fit enough, something's happened that's not working. And it normally means yeah. that it comes down to poor planning uh, more than anything else. But I do like the fact he has got the balls just to make that change because it is something that a lot of managers don't do. And you're right with saying about the rules, the fact he can make a change at half-time and it doesn't count to one of the three stoppages. Yeah. Um, but still, it, it, it does concern me at times. But I could like yeah. to go back to it, I, I just don't understand why he's not giving Ennis and Telelovic that number nine no. role because they are no. number nines. You know, Leonard's coming back. So if Leonard comes back after injury and starts playing, that's telling me everything I need to know about Ennis and Telelovic no. in JDT's eyes. Now, obviously, JDT's a striker. He's seen things, but does he need to rein in his expectations a little bit? We've got Sam Gallagher coming back. So I, I I agree with Glenn. I don't understand why we've got Ennis and Telelovic when they're not getting any game time. But we'll wait yeah. and see on that one. So Aaron on Twitter has asked, um, the style of play seems to be set and the roles of most positions are clearly understood. With that being said, what type of striker is the best fit for this formation and style of play? Do we have that player in the current squad? So obviously this is leading on from that. Um, I these tactics, I feel like it's horses for court. It should be horses for courses, but he's just he's just putting players into that number nine role at the moment that just sit there and don't tend to do what he actually wants. I don't think we have any players in the squad that is playing that that can play that number nine role how he wants it to be played, which is why he's been asking to go out and get a striker any breath that he has in an interview. You know, he's going on about how he wants a striker. Well, he's got strikers and he's still going on about it. So he obviously isn't playing that number nine role how he wants it to be played just now. But I have... I don't actually have any idea how he wants it to be played because he hasn't had that player. So, Dan, do you think do you think he has a role for that number nine and he's just waiting for that guy to come in and play it in a certain way? Or do you think he's he is using that number nine as a flexible role between multiple players? I think he's nearest player in the current squad's Harry Lennon that he has towards it. I think if we look at Leonard. Two chances missed the other day that I think an experienced striker scores. Two against West Brom uh, on the opening day when he should have had an hat-trick, really. Ipswich away, he were involved in that goal. I think Leonard's shown signs of what JDT wants. The issue I think that JDT's got is how much reliance can you put on a 20-year-old lad who's only played four games before this season? I think... There's something about having experience as a striker. You know where the ball's going to drop. Leonard will learn that and hopefully learns that with us. I think he's kind of got his man in Leonard. He just wants an experienced man who we don't have to put them years in the training. We can say, get up top, put that ball in the net. The question I wanted to ask actually was, a lot's been mentioned about Jordan Rhodes. Mark, do you think Jordan Rhodes would work in the side? Do you think he'd be a good addition? Because my worry for him was... Can he be that presser that John Dahl wants? Because he can put the ball in there, but can he do that role that John Dahl wants? And no, 
I, I think Jordan Rhodes would. I, I mean, I it's it's another Bradley Dak situation for me. It's it's one of them that your heart says bring him back, and there's a place for him. There's time. You know, you always need a striker who scores goals. But would he have brought him on at weekend? Probably not, because he wouldn't. I think the, the problem you've got, and that question alludes to it really. There, I think all the other positions we can concretely say that's how he wants that player to play. And we know the skill set he's looking for. We know the attributes he's looking for. The the one that you're a bit, hmm, I'm not quite sure, probably because he's not had a player to be able to play it right, is striker. And you're right, Dan. I think you exactly hit the nail on the head there. I think Harry Leonard is the closest he's got. And he wants that player who can press with pace and also quite clever pressing you know you guys picked up on that the drone again the way he bends his runs to press it and he forces them down one side and then that allows us to to nip the ball quite high up the pitch that's what he's looking for he's looking for that player who can run in behind unfortunately whilst Jordan Rhodes is a fantastic striker in many respects that's not Jordan Rhodes's game and I think the problem we're looking at here which then begs the question because he's, these decisions aren't made without his say so why has he brought Ennison? Why has he brought Telelovic in? Because is he is he hoping Telelovic obviously is going to be the striker he wants? But I would say that the attributes he wants from a striker are pace, a willingness to press, and a, a, a knowledge of when to press and when not, and when to run in behind. I've not seen any. I know we've only seen snippets, but I've not seen those from Telelovic. If I'm being honest. I think from Ennis, I've seen a different type of player, somebody who will hold the ball up and link up. But that doesn't then seem to fit with what he wants. So they seem strange signings, I think. I think and what I it comes down worry, to is budget, doesn't it? He, he, was, that, he, was, yeah, trying to, he was having to sacrifice certain attributes to try and get a striker. Yeah. The one player yeah. that we've had in recent memory that would absolutely kill in these tactical yeah. masterclass is Adam Armstrong. You know, you yeah. put Adam Armstrong yeah. in this team and we are... Well, we're flying. Uh, Jordan Rhodes won't won't fit that. But to to interrupt Mark with what Mark was saying about Ennis and Telovich, they are bargain basement budget players. And when you're doing that, you have to sacrifice something, don't you? Yeah, and I think that's what I was just going to say. The, the big worry is the striker he wants, and I don't mean an individual, is a fortune. Hmm. And I don't. It's an Adam Armstrong, them, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think you get them in the championship without paying Adam Armstrong money. And no, the, the, your only hope for me is to go and get one on loan from the Premier League. And I don't know who that is, but I think that's your or, or abroad. That's your only way of getting anywhere near it. So the closest just we've need... got is is Harry Leonard. Yeah. And and Leonard could be the guy. We don't know. I mean, you, you don't know where, no. how he's he's gonna react from this injury. We don't know how, you know, Telelovic is going to do once he gets a few games. Because, he, I mean, how many games has he played for the reserves? I'm going to start calling him reserves by not now, much. by the way, because I, I don't. <laughs> so, so there we go. So he's not actually playing many games. So if we can't put him in there and let him develop and use him as a project, he's a project player, someone that you bring in, you try and work on him, you try and bring his shortcomings up to where you need them to be, you know, his positives you can exploit. Unless you're putting him into the reserve games, 
there's there's no point in even having him on the bench because you're not going to trust him. Ennis has come on, he's done a few things, but he obviously, like you both said, he trusts Leonard. So like you said, I, I like Leonard. I, I I really think he is going to be a very good player going forward. And I do hope, I do hope I we can keep him injury free for the foreseeable uh, future. But yeah, that's the mailbag, boys. I'm sorry, carry on, Mark. No, I was interrupting no, you there. No, I, I, no, I was just going to say, whilst you were talking, Mark, I was checking the under-21s team because obviously we're recording this Monday night. I don't look at Tell all that she's playing tonight. Gilson's playing. It's quite a young team. So I think that tells us all we need to know for Wednesday's game. But actually, that's the first time I think Telovic has played for the 21s. I know he's played behind closed doors. So that would suggest he's not playing Wednesday and he's going to give anything. game. But what I was going to say, which is why I checked, was JDT's philosophy normally is give them games. He's not getting anywhere near the pitch. So you would normally yeah. see him playing in these games. And this is the first time it's happened. So there must be something he wants him to to get out of being on the bench because he's not even turning to me off. There must be something, whether it's, I want you to watch this, I want you to do this, or I don't know, there's some, there's obviously a reason, isn't there? But it'd be so interesting to find out, to be fair. Hopefully he goes and bags a couple tonight and, uh, you know, comes on a weekend. They're having a different conversation, yeah. Mm. I think one issue, just to quickly pick up on the 23, 21s, whatever we call they've had a lot more games this year and they've coincided with a lot in the first team. They yeah. used to play Sundays, used to play Mondays. We've played a lot of Saturdays, so it's not a case of... We saw last year where, say, Harry Leonard had travelled down to QPR on the Saturday, didn't play, come back and play on the Monday. He hasn't been able mm. to do that because a lot of the games have been Saturday when we've been there. So the kind of stuff... This is what we'll see with... Uh, a worry we might see with someone like Tom Aitken, where if he's not going to get game time, but he's on the bench every week... When's yeah. he actually mm. going to develop? But that's a debate for another time. Let's get into the final bit of the show, the quiz. We need a bit of a quiz thing tune uh, if someone wants to make one up. But what we're doing today is a bit like the game show Tenable. So we'll pull up a top 10. So it could be the top 10 appearance makers in the Premier League for Rovers. And Mike and Mark, between them, will try and get the top 10. They've got three lives. So when they get four wrong, it's done to say... Uh, same Mike said Aaron Mokawena who wouldn't make the top 10 then he'd lose a life so if it all makes sense we'll get into it we've got three towers we'll see how long it takes to do them are we ready? just delighted at the mention of Aaron Mokawena Aaron Mokawena (laughs) the first first top 10 we want is the top 10 appearance makers under John Dahl Thomason at Blackburn Rovers so the 10 players to make the most appearances since JDT's arrived. It's all competitions, uh, and we're mm-hmm. going off the very trusty transfer market. So if anyone somehow works out, we've got one of them wrong. I do apologise. There's 10 just to let you know where they stand. The top player has 62 appearances under John Dahl. Mm-hmm. The bottom player on this top 10 has 46. Okay. Okay. So... Who wants to go first? Right. So, are we technically a team? You're a team. We're a team. For this one. Okay. Yeah, we'll make you into a team. Right. So, 46. 46 right, to you, 62 highest. You got, you okay. got first, mate. I think Travis. Travis is probably on that list. Yeah. Travis yeah. comes in at third on 61. Lovely. I'm going to go Harry Pickering. 
he comes in at second on 61 as well. All right. I think Dolan's played quite a lot for him. Is it sub sub appearances mm -hmm. as well? Any appearance on the pitch will count as one, I believe. I, I think Dolan. What do you think, Mark? Dolan? Mm. Yeah, I think you I think you're right there. Yeah, let's go, Dolan. Dolan is top of the table, sixty-two. The most appearances for Rovers. Jeez. In the so you've got wow. the top three with your first three. I'll tell you what, that's a conversation to have another day, isn't it? About Dolan. No, I was shocked mm. when I was setting the questions. Mm. I don't think he'd be that high up. Bearing in mind, right, I'm. I'm going to go, Mike, based on the fact we signed him about, oh, when was it, end of August last year. So I'm going to go Dom Hyam. Have you seen the answers? Dom Hyam is fourth with 57. No. Get in. I'm going, to, I'm going to say Hayden Carter then. Hayden Carter. Because I think really? Hayden Carter played quite a bit last year as well, didn't he? Seventh with 52. Yeah. Right, that's a good benchmark. So um, you need... Right, Smodic. 5th, 6th, 8th, 9th, 10th. Smodic. Sammy Smodic is 6th with 56. I'm thinking Ryan Hedges, Mark. Because he played quite a bit last year, didn't he? Oh, but he's been injured for quite a bit this he's year. He's been injured quite a bit, yeah. Smodic was injured yeah. a lot last year, though, and played. I, th I think you mm. need to give that a whirl. Yeah, I was actually debating. Go on. Let's see. Hedges. Hedges is fifth with 57. I believe he was the top appearance maker last year. So it kind of put him into this list. Uh, yeah. Even if he had enough. He, he, he made a lot of appearances off the bench if he didn't start, didn't he? So you just yeah. need eight, uh... nine, and ten, which is 50 appearances for one of them, and the other two yeah. are 46. See, I want to say pairs, but he, he he didn't he didn't play enough. Did no, he? he hasn't he hasn't got no. to forty six. And, and obviously Kaminsky's not not got to forty six because it, you know he, he, I, I was just going to say the two I'm debating are I think Ranking Costello came in at Sunderland, didn't he? That was well just before that, which was December, but he played a lot of football after that. But I think he, but I think Britain's played more than Ranking Costello was what yeah. I was going to say, despite he had a lot of injuries. So I think I'm going to go Britain if you're happy with that, Mike. I'm happy with that. Britain? Wrong. Oh, Callum Britain is one appearance off making this list. He's on 45. Oh. So that's one life gone. What's oh, the what's okay. number 10 got? 46. All the Sam Gallagher? Sam Gallagher played a lot last year, didn't he? It's a risky it? one. Mm. See, I was Dan's debating Bielsa. I'm looking at Dan's face, and he seems like he's he's giving us something away there. Oh, do you think Bielsa snuck in off him? Uh, he only had so he's only had one. Diaz but, has only had one year with him, hasn't he? Forty-six league games. I played most of them. Then there's the cups. We had good cup runs. Yeah, let's go, Diaz. Brereton Diaz is there. He's your man with 50. So he's eight. So you need the two with 46 to finish off what, the top 10. Might, might be a horrible shout, mate. Did Tyler Morton play enough last year? He played all the bloody time. Oh, no, but 46 times. 
Well, it's more or less every league game, isn't it? Obviously, it's every, but it's not in reality. It's going to be more or less plus a lot of cup. I don't remember. Mm. Did he have many injuries though? Um, I think in midfield, he's not got a lot. No, you've got yeah, two wrong guesses left as well. You can guess wrong twice. I'm happy to go roll with Morton. He did play a lot, but I'm not sure he hit 46. I'll be, if he's hit 46, I'll be surprised. Mm. I don't know who else we've got to... Because uh, Adam Morton well, didn't come in quite soon enough, did he? Had a massive drop, didn't he? Kaminsky probably didn't... He, didn't, he can't. He won't because... He? Yeah. No, what, what, did he, what did he miss? What did Pace play? About 10 games at the end of the season? Yeah. And we played 46 league games plus what? Six or seven cups. He could have snuck in, you know. Be... Go on, I'll have to it's push. It's going to be... Go on. go on, then. Uh, should we say Kaminsky? Go on. Go on, Kaminsky. No. Nope. Kaminsky is... Uh, 29. Oh, jeez. Couldn't have been any further from uh, where we needed to be. Um, can you give us a clue on positions? It doesn't have to be centimetre, just midfield attack defence. You've got one defender left and one midfielder. So you could be right on Morton then. Should we say Morton? It's our last yeah. life. Yeah, I mean, the defenders annoy me. We should know this defender. Yeah, we should. So we've got... But it can't be Scott Morton. It's got to be a right-back. Because we've got our left-back. Who played right-back? He had Water, he had Carter there. We've said Britain. We've said Ranky Costello. And he played there most of the season. We said Joe Ranky Costello. It must be JRC, wasn't it? Yeah. JRC with 46. Right. So now it's a 50. No, no, Morton it's a 46. So, defender. Oh, oh, oh. so you're putting JRC as a midfielder, Dan, yeah? No, JRC is a defender. Okay, so it's midfielder we, we're missing. It is. I think it is. What, you think it's Morton? Yeah. Let's go for it. In for a penny, in for a pound. It is Tyler Morton. You've got your oh, top there we go. Nice. Well done, we never drafted That's, shocking. Him That's that. shocking that he made that many appearances. And he played in all them NAF Cup games at the start, you know, when he were getting in the team. I think he played yeah. the Bradford one, the Hartlepool one. Uh, so yeah. a top 10 on your first tenable tower. Well done. Well. Easy work. What we'll do now to make it a little harder is I'll drop you down to two lives. Sorry, you're making it but, a, bit, a bit harder? A bit harder, hopefully. <laughs> Although I think Probably you should get on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think that. Right, go on. The, f- the question is, the 10 outfield players to start in Blackburn Rovers 1-0 win over Newcastle on Monday the 8th of May, 1995. Famous for a few things this game. Right. Can you name the 10 outfield starters? Oh, obviously, Tim Flowers isn't included. I'm expecting to. Oh, that's hard. Right. Okay, so we've got Shearer is the obvious one. Yeah. Oh, Mike, you're doing it. You're doing it out of order. You're doing it out of order. Do you reckon? Right. Um, I can go left back. Lasso. 
Lassar. Sutton would have played, wouldn't they? Sutton. Kenner. Kenner. Uh, Wilcox or Ripley, do you think, Mark? One of them would have played. One of them had a really bad injury, though, and didn't play. I think Wilcox was injured. Wilcox no, didn't end the season, did he? So No. So we say, we say Ripley. Again, Ripley would have been on the right. Oh, no, he did. He played, he played at Liverpool, didn't he? So, yeah. Yeah, go Ripley. 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 Uh, Hendry. Hendry, yeah. Hendry, yep. Now, who played alongside him? Tony Gale had an injury towards the end of the season. So we had Ian Pierce Berg. Yeah, it could have been Berg. I think this is a game Kenner played left wing. So I think I think Berg will be in there. Berg? Berg, yep. What about David Batty? Mark, what do you think? Yeah, David he Batty? Came, I think he came back in then. And Atkins yeah. had dropped out by that point. David yep. Batty? Said, oh, him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which will have been partnered by the wonderful Tim Sherwood. Tim Sherwood, yeah. Right, so it's the other centre half we need now. And we've got lives. No, you've got Berg. You've got Berg and Hendry. Berg will play right back, won't he? He didn't come centre half. You, you, you had Kenner, Lasseau. I think Kenner played left wing. Or Lasseau played left wing, sorry. Kenner played left back, and then they swapped over for Liverpool. Okay. I think it's the centre half we're missing. And I. Uh, Tony Gale was injured at the end of the uh, Liverpool. So you're thinking Ian Pearce? I think it might be Ian Pearce. Ian Pearce? Yep, 10 out of 10 straight away. Ian Pearce, yeah, you were uh, exactly right there with uh, one of the fullbacks playing up because the Premier League website lists it as a 5 3 2, but we all know it wasn't. Uh, Perfect. Can you name the sub from that there? Uh, well, there'll have been two subs, won't there? There'll have been... Well, the one who uh, come on, then. Oh. Uh, uh, Alan Wright was still playing for us then, wasn't he? Or had he gone? No, he'd gone towards the end of that season. Robbie Slater. It was Robbie Slater, well then. Oh. So, for the final <laughs> uh, tenable tower, I've gone for kit numbers. Oh, of course you have. Which... Which I'm sure you all love. Oh, delighted. What season? So it's a certain kit number, and it is oh. this is according to transfer market again. So I apologize if it's out. The last Sounds 10 like players excuse. to wear the number eight shirt for Blackman Rovers. Right. Obviously Starting from this season. season. Yeah, including this year, obviously. In the league, don't go picking out someone who wore it in a friendly. I'm not letting you have that. <laughs> right. So it was a, an assigned squad number. An assigned squad number, yeah. And we go back, just for your reference, we go back. Now, this lists three different numbers. Mm. Number eights for the 0708 season. But I will allow, mm. if you go back one more, I will allow it. I will just. Okay. Awesome. Right. Uh, should we try and go backwards from now, Mike? 
Yeah, you start. Smodix. Smodix is number number eight now. Yeah. Now, okay. last season. Was it still in? Yeah. Smodix went in last oh, season. Just for your reference, for the one that goes back, uh, the 0708, there's two in the 0708, so it goes back to the 0607 season. So should we get some ones like Dunny and stuff like that? Just get them off the list. Yeah. So David Dunn. Get Rock. Get. Yeah. David Dunn. Yep. He got. He so the one before. What season was that yeah. that he got it? Uh, David Dunn had it from 08 or nine to fourteen fifteen. Right. So there have been. So before that was Savage. Yeah. Yeah. And someone else had it in the same year as Savage had it, according to Wikipedia. Right. Well, I know Savage argued over it, didn't they? Um, yeah, but Savage arrived and he had number. So this is where I. This is my era now, but, but Savage had 31 when he came because he came mid season and then he got it the season after. Right. I'll work on that, Mike. You work on. Oh, cross on. You know, I'm rubbish with kit numbers. Um, I'll give you three lives on this because I'm kind. What was Keith Andrews? Ugh. Horrific. 17. Uh, Rothwell, obviously. Rothwell. Yeah, Just Rothwell. for your reference, uh, I have worked it out where the mistakes come on this website. And it goes back to 2004-2005. That's your first number eight. I've managed to edit it and make sure. So we've got... You've had four so far. Two guy was number eight at that stage. He is the first number eight on the list as far as back as far back mm-hmm. as we go. Two guys. So that is your starter. So you've got two guy. Uh, then you've there's got, somebody between him and Savage. There's, no, then you've got Savage. Then you've got right. someone. Then you've got Dunn. Oh, there was somebody. Yes. Oh, because Savage left mid-season, and this person got it. For a little bit. Oh, no. What was Radoslav? What was he when I'll he came in? Was. It was Johan Vogel. It was Johan Vogel. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Right, Rothwell. Yeah, she Who was before Rothwell? So you've got the first four, like as far back as they go, and you've got yeah. the two recent ones. So you need the four in the middle of Rothwell and Dunn. All right, so who had it the promotion season? Dan's specialist subject, number eight. I'd have had this straight away. Well, yeah. It's my... Uh... Yeah, we know. What was the Oxford lad? Uh, Jack Payne. No, don't like it. Jack Payne. Was it? No. If you want to clear it, it's not Jack Payne. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's coming halfway through the year, didn't he, so... I'm rubbish with squad numbers. I'm not going to lie to you. Number eight, that promotion season. Would it help if I give you the seasons you're looking for? Well, I know it's the promotion season, the number eight that we need. Yeah, you're looking Uh, for the promotion, the relegation, uh, and the year before that. We had two, I believe, the year before relegation. There's one left. 
I'm right struggling there. here, Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm of no right. help to you on this one. Uh, why can't I think of that number eight? Who did yeah, we have midfield-wise the season we went up? Is it midfielder that season? Oh. That's a you, no. It depends what you class his position as, because some people class it as... Okay. A, a forward. Some people class it as midfielder. Uh, I think we might be struggling here, though. My brain's going blank. Right, uh, yeah, what about um, under Coyle? Number eight under Coyle. Horrible time. I've tried to erase that from my memory. Uh, it was like Ben Marshall and... Yeah, Danny... Craig Conway. Four were number eight. Four day Coyter was in the 2015-16 as number eight. He left. Who took yeah, him number eight? In that season... That, Wasn't Matt Grimes? Was it? No, Matt Grimes didn't win number eight. Um, did Samuel? No, Samuel was nine. Ignore me. Uh, I'm struggling here. I am struggling. What was Morton? I can't even picture the promotion team. No. What was no, six? Clarkson. It's, it's the season. What was Leighton no. Clarkson? That was that was, that was Rothwell. Uh, Clarkson was. Oh, 19. Yeah. We're up. It's the season we, we were in League One, Mike. So yeah, obviously it was Ray. I'm trying to think of the team. We had, we had Samuel. We had Samuel was 12. Graham was 10. Dak was 23. Armstrong? No, he was 18. Oh. Dan, you're gonna to have to give us some clues. He did, did move numbers though, didn't he? I'm sure no, so he won't be on because he's coming halfway through that promotion season. So mm. someone who started the year with us. Right. Uh I don't believe he finished the season with us. Oh, I'm Chapman. struggling here, Mark. Chapman. He would have promotion season. So right. now you're looking for the 2015-16 one who took the number off Bengali Fordy Kaita, the legend. And, and this is Joseph. still under Bayer. Uh, or is this when uh, Lambert? Well, it so had Lambert's just Lambert. coming. Right, yeah. so Lambert's coming. He's, he's signed Kearney? Marshall. Tom Kearney Ooh, no, was he one of them? Right. So as you can tell, I ain't got a clue. Gone. Right, we've got we can get this, mate. I've got faith in us. Marshall came you, in. You can. I have full faith in you getting <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't. Um, Both of these were lawn signings. Right, well, I'm gonna have a guess. I'm gonna have a guess if you don't mind, mate. I'm gonna go Matt Grimes. Go for it. No. He wore sixteen right. that year. This is a lawn uh oh, you see, I don't think it, no, Jordi Gomez was a lawn signing, but he was fourteen. So it's a loan signing that Lambert's made. Um, so let's think. Well. So Emnes, Emnes wasn't eight, was he? So the Lambert one. I don't feel like he was. No. I think well, he Lambert. actually ended up ending his loan spell early because of injury. I seem to remember him going oh, back. Oh, Tony Watt. Tony Watt. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. He went back in April, start of April. So who Who's has got it now? 16-17 relegation season. The season that we've got Owen Coyle. The season oh, that we God. have. God. It. Right. I will read you. Let, me, let me picture the kit. So the kit is Umbro, mm-hmm. bit of red, dapper bit. Mnes is there that season. Mine. Then you had the black um, one with the blue and white cross chest. Oh yeah, we did. We did. Sure. We had Danny Guthrie that season. Was Danny Guthrie? I feel like Danny Guthrie was a high number though. Maybe he wasn't. Let's go, Danny Guthrie. He wore the legendary twenty-three. She had one oh, life yeah. left. He was alone. Don't forget this one. All oh, right. Well, Ennis was alone, Mike. Who else was alone? Sam Gallagher was alone that season. But he... Hmm. I'm trying to pitch, trying to picture the blooming actual... The I will read like. his little Wikipedia entry. On 29th of June 2016, this player joined Blackburn Rovers on wall. He went on to make a grand total of four league appearances before Rovers cancelled his loan in January. Uh, oh, Harper. God, it is. Oh, no. Wrong Work year. Casey Palmer. No, Small wrong man. side. We're under Coyle here. Yeah. Uh, Go on, I'll give you one more guess, and then we'll, we'll round off. Yeah, four league appearances, three cup appearances. Made seven apps overall for the club. He also then went on loan to another championship club. And only played two games apparently that season after leaving us. I am struggling with this one. I don't know. I'm tempted to cheat, but I don't even know. I, I can't <laughs> even think about where to even look. Uh, deliberately, I'm trying to think, and my brain's going, forget Coyle. No, I think it's my coping mechanism. My brain's trying to shut down. I remember Danny Graham scored that goal. Then he gets Man United. We had Gallagher scoring a screamer, but it's not one. Of, where did he play, Dan? Uh, midfield playing is pushing it, but he was a midfielder. Yeah, we're struggling. Where did he come? Go on, tell us the team he came from, and we'll still not get it. Oh, you'll get it if I say the team. I was going to show his picture uh-huh. up for you and see if you recognise him. Oh, go for it. So, if I give you a clue, I, his most memorable performance for me, which isn't really much of a contest, was at Mansfield in the Cup. I remember the away end singing a certain song for him. The Midfield Inferno. I have what year are we not. talking about? 1617. Coyle. Coyle? Coyle? Oh, I, I... There'll be people watching this spamming away. Tell us where he came from. Tell us where he came from, Dan. The club he came from was Manchester City. Oh, um... Oh, God, yeah. Um... He went, he went straight into the reserves, didn't he? 
No, he played for us and just didn't end up playing much. I remember him. Are you ready for his picture very soon? I remember him as this midfielder that we built a massive hype around because he played well against League Two Mansfield and everyone went, oh my God, we've got this talent. And then he, I think you were a bit of a oh. bad egg. And I think he... Oh, yeah. You ready? I ain't going to get it though. You're going to have to show me a photo. Go for it. Does this face ring a bell? <laughs> no, not really. Does the name Jack Dame ring a bell? Jack who? No, Jack Byrne. Jack Byrne, yes! Playing in Ireland Jack now, Byrne. good footballer. Yeah, he does well. well. I think he's in squad, isn't he? Yeah, he's in Ireland Brand squad. Or... Yeah, he does. Burn, baby, yeah. burn, midfield inferno. Do you know what? I, I forgot he'd come from City. That's part of the problem. Yeah. He actually went on and did well. I think he went he out is. to Wigan on one and a few others. But uh, that's where we round off. Uh, good attempts on the ten. We'll tell you. You got twenty nine out of thirty, which I think is a really good effort, uh, especially with the JDT top ten. I I fell into the trap when I was looking at it. I'll tell you what, Dan. Just just Britain. just to get our own back a bit. Who was the uh, left back signing that Coyle made that season? Stephen Hendry. Oh, what number did he wear? Oh, <laughs> answers on a postcard, everybody. We got him. <laughs> Do I know? Yeah, of course I know. Oh, I know it. How long do I have? Uh, five seconds. Sixteen. Hmm. I'll check. What did he wear? While you're wrapping up. <laughs> I want to find this out. <laughs> oh. uh, that's where we'll still... finish off though. Stephen Hendry trivia. Yeah. Yeah. He wore 20. There we are. I've just had a look. Number 20. Following from, following on from Sasha Pecci, Jan Song, or Dixon Itiru and Jordan Slew. Perfect way to end the podcast. Thank you. Players. Incredible. And Taylor Ledham recently. Uh, thank you to everyone for watching. Really appreciate the support. All the best if you're making the trip down to Chelsea and or Norwich this week. A lot of miles okay. to be covered. Hopefully Rovers reward with, we'll say with a goal at Chelsea and a win at Norwich. That'd do us fine. But Mike, thank you as always. A pleasure having you on and thanks for doing the mailbag as always. Yeah, no worries. I'm going to add uh, kit numbers to Portuguese players on things I don't know. <laughs> and Mark, thank you as always. Always a pleasure. No problem, no problem. I can't believe you've got through the whole podcast without mentioning the headset guys. Not a headset guy anymore. Of course, we'll round off with that. Anyone watching on YouTube, you get to see all of Mike's head. Anyone listening, <laughs> get over to YouTube. Go to one minute, uh, one hour, 18 minutes and about 14 seconds. <laughs> and you can see the point we're mentioning now. But thank you to everyone for watching. Uh, we've hit 10,000 listens on the podcast as well since we started. Really appreciate oh. all the support. We'll have everything coming from the Chelsea game, from the Norwich, the Preston next week. Hopefully Rovers go into the international break in high spirits and we can have a few podcasts where we're celebrating rather than mourning. But that's where we'll finish. <laughs> Remember to, to subscribe, whatever platform you're watching on. Hit like, leave a review, leave a comment. You know what to do by now. Share the podcast as well. If you're watching uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want to share us, do it. But until next time, we'll see.
uh, thanks for watching and we'll see you soon. <laughs>